compliance, the practice of obeying rules or requests made by people in authority. This is the Pharmacy Compliance Guide with Jeff Hedges. Hey there, Pharmacy Podcast listeners. This is the Pharmacy Compliance Guide, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome back, Mr. Jeff Hedges. How have you been? Doing great. Enjoying the warm winter. (laughs) Yes, me too. So, you know, I am one that believes in the free market. I absolutely feel um, the hairs stand up on the back of my neck when I hear about new government regulation. And it becomes very frustrating to me when I see what some government regulation at the state and national level can do to kind of, and sometimes squashing um, the entrepreneurial spirit of American business. However, I really respect and I really have um, a lot of insight, uh, which you know is uh, is is interesting because this piece of our healthcare and what is um, regulation is very much necessary for this specific sector of healthcare, and that's privacy. That's HIPAA. So um, it, it's amazing to look back and see the evolution of HIPAA and the reasoning for it. It's one of the aspects of government regulation that I very much agree with. Um, and I understand when it was passed in 1996, it did definitely evolve. It's received some new teeth, and it's really the topic of today. So I have much questions for you, um, Pharmacy Compliance Guide, Mr. Jeff Hedges, and I hope that you can shine some light on the crevices of darkness that we have in scratching my head and not understanding absolutely what this is all about. Okay, sounds good. So, so with let's that, get started. Let's talk about the very first thing. So I have seen several articles in Drug Topics, Pharmacy Times, The Wall Street Journal about different HIPAA breaches, HIPAA violations. So before I start getting into some specific cases with some specific questions, let's just ask right up front, what is a breach and, and what does that mean for a pharmacy owner, for a pharmacy director or operations uh, manager? Well, in simple terms, what a breach is, is when you have lost control of a patient's protected health information, and that's whether it's printed material or electronic material. And the most common uh, type of breaches that occur within a pharmacy setup um, that pharmacy owners and pharmacies need to be concerned about is that uh, when a breach, um, uh, when the clerk has a uh, gives the wrong patient the wrong medication. That's a breach. Uh, and that really is the most common. And it depends on how you handle that on whether you have to report it or whether you don't have to report it. And just because you have a breach doesn't mean the world's going to come to an end. You know, there's aspects of what is a breach and what is a violation that we might not think of. I know that when I was um, visiting my grandmother last year in the hospital, I picked up some flowers for her, and the hospital receptionist could not even tell me where to have those flowers delivered based on the fact that she couldn't mention that my grandmother was even in the hospital. So we don't think of how many layers of breaches that there could be, but I want to get specific. 
specific to pharmacy, to pharmacy. pharmacy. Um, you know, um, how can I have a breach and not a, know about it? Well, the easy, uh, the, the breach, um, with physical breaches, when, um, again, when the patient gives, uh, your clerk gives a, uh, patient the wrong medication, uh, the patient goes out to their car, goes home, and, and they bring it back in. Uh, that's the most common one. And a lot of times the clerk handles everything and never says anything to anybody. Um, and they don't think anything about it. And that could be a breach, especially if the person who got the wrong medication was a healthcare worker and they reported to the Office of Civil Rights. The other type of breach is if someone hacks your system and they can get into your system and download your information. And uh, if your security is not good, you don't even know you've been hacked and uh, your data is gone. So let's give some examples, some other examples of uh, common breaches that you've seen in pharmacy. Give some additional ones other than electronic, and then I'm going to come back to the electronic ones because uh, that's been most interesting to me with my background in pharmacy management systems. But give us some examples of additional breaches in pharmacy. Okay, the, um, these are the ones that I have personally seen with pharmacies around the country. Um, a robbery uh, where, they, uh, where they come in either during the day or at night when they're robbing the pharmacy, and they clean out the will call bin. Um, the importance about the will call bin is, is that you have all the pharmacy labels and all the, your tags on the bags, and it has all PHI information on it. Um, the pharmacy is robbed again. And they steal the server. Um, your staff pharmacist takes a pharmac- uh, laptop home and uh, the vehicle's stolen or the uh, home is burglarized at night and the laptop is stolen. Um, the delivery driver is out delivering uh, their medications throughout the day. And while they are uh, delivering to a uh, residence or to a facility, the vehicle is stolen and the car, uh, the vehicle is full of the day's uh, deliveries um, or a billing manager who decides they're going to take um, their billing files home. And they're going to work from home and they have everything on a jump drive and they lose it on the bus or they lose it somewhere between uh, the pharmacy and their home and they have no idea where it went. Those are all major issues. Um, and depending on the number and the scope of them, they could be a reportable breach or they could be a non-reportable breach. And it all depends on each each individual incident has to be investigated and assessed to determine what happens. And there has to be some sort of documentation of everything kind of written out in some kind of story form so that it is all yes. documented. Okay. So what do I do? So I'm a pharmacy do do? owner. I'm a pharmacy, I'm a pharmacy, owner, manager. pharmacy manager. I'm listening to the podcast. To the I want to know. What do I do if there's do a breach? Well, the first thing is, especially when there's a theft, um, you don't panic. Um, a lot of times people, um, they think the worst. And a lot of times the worst can happen. But the first thing you got to do is get the facts. So calm everybody down. Uh, start documenting. And get the facts. Um, under the statute, you have to complete a, um, a breach evaluation and then also a risk assessment. And what we, our clients, what we do, we go through a potential uh, breach evaluation. And the key word is potential breach 
because just because you suspect that you have a breach, until you finish the risk assessment, it's not a breach. And what this assessment does, it depend, uh, it goes through and assesses each component of the breach. And there's risk factors, whether it's a high probability or a low probability um, on the breach. And then when you finish uh, that process, you're able to determine whether that uh, breach is reportable or non-reportable, and you report it to the Department of Health and Human Services to the Office of Civil Rights. And, uh, and then depending on how big the breach is, uh, for example, if it's over 500 people were involved, you have 60 days to report it. If you have less than 500 people, you have until the end of February of the following year. So anybody had a breach, a reportable breach that happened in 2016, it has to be reported by the end of this month in February. And the key thing is you document everything from the beginning all the way to the end. You're investigating, especially if it's going to be a reportable breach, you investigate and document and you ask and you look at training, you look at every aspect of that uh, situation. Try to determine um, how far the breach went out, how many um, what the exposure of the patient was. Were you able to contact every patient? Uh, if you weren't able to contact the patient, were you able to, uh, uh, were there other means that you were able to do it? If you weren't able to contact the patients, did you have to contact the news media and the newspaper? Um, there's a whole series of events that you have to go through when a breach happens. But it doesn't happen every time. It just depends on uh, you start with the basic fact of what occurred and it just by uh, by that assessment, you go through and you determine where, uh, where it goes. And the important thing is, even if it's non-reportable, you still have to document it because if the Office of Civil Rights comes in either on a uh, a blind inspection, which we'll talk about a little bit later, or they, uh, they're they looking at another breach and they're investigating. They want to see how you handle non-reportable breaches. And if you have your documentation and they see that you're doing your non-reportable breaches correctly, um, what could happen is, is that your fines, if they issue fines, could be substantially lower or not at all if they see that you have an active HIPAA compliance program and you take breaches seriously. And that's a key component with these, uh, when you see these outlandish fines that are going on with these different insurance companies and healthcare systems that have breaches because they don't take it seriously and they don't have any documentation from prior breaches that they have. And that's why when you talk to, talk to a pharmacy, uh, and you say, uh, have you ever had a breach? And they say, oh, of course, I've never had a breach. And you're, really? And then my next question to them is, has you, have you ever had a clerk give the wrong medication to a patient? And they said, well, yeah. Well, that's the question the investigator or an inspector will ask the clerk. And as soon as they say that yes to that, now they just def uh, defunct your entire argument you never had a breach and that's why it's so important to have your documentation 
makes a lot of sense. And it's just the simple things. You know, we all get comfortable. Our techs get comfortable. Our cashier gets comfortable. Really doesn't think about it. I remember a story that came out. Uh, it was a year or two ago. Technicians at a large national chain pharmacy were bored on a very slow day. And they went back through patient back records patient on the computer, on the computer. And, they and they just started basically, basically out of curiosity, out of curiosity reading different medications reading different that different, medications patients, different patients, patients were on. They did that for about, 20, that minutes, for about 20 minutes and that was it. And that was it. Well, that was a multi-million well, dollar fine for, for that big that national big chain, national and chain. that's something that that's you just didn't just think just of really, think and of really. it's all part of it's education part of our staff. It's all pushing the importance of what patient privacy patient means privacy. and the physical, and the aspect, physical of aspect of HIPAA is easy for me to understand. Me to understand. The side of it that I want to expand upon, Jeff, is the electronic the side. Electronic so, side. So, I've heard the term heard the OCR term desk OCR audits. Desk I have no idea what that is. What are OCR desk audits? Okay. This came out last March. Um, the Office of Civil Rights, which is OCR, uh, stood up a new department and they started doing these uh, uh, what they call desk audits and it's similar to a desk audit what we see with the uh, with party carriers the third parties um, and they're getting into it and what happens with these desk audits um, and they started full force on January 1st of this year um, the pharmacy and this goes not only to pharmacy this is all covered entities and all business associates within the United States uh, they're focusing on small entities pharmacies dentists chiropractors and optometrists is where they're going to focus at right now um, and what will happen you'll either get a letter in the mail or an email which is interesting because where are they going to get your email uh, it may come from MPI or some other areas, but you'll get an email from them and they're going to um, ask for certain documents that you're going to be uh, required to be uh, mailed to them. And uh, and that's kind of uh, and they'll start with that process and you'll have uh, two weeks to notify that or send these documents into the um, Office of Civil Rights at the address that's provided in the letter. So, so launched last launched year last and it was an additional year, layer, layer of HIPAA of security, HIPAA security and a different layer, a different of, layer the of the audit per se. Audit per se. So what is so the OCR, is OCR asking, asking for specifically? The, uh, the, first, uh, the first set of documents they're going to look at, uh, they're going to ask for, and is the, they're going to ask for your notice of privacy practice. And for everybody listening, please go and look at your notice of privacy practice. It should be posted in your facility and you should have a copy on your counter for your clerks and receptionists to be able to give out to anybody who walks into the pharmacy and ask for it. The date has to be greater or uh, cannot be any earlier than July 1st, 2013. And the reason why that date's so important was the omnibus bill was posted in January of 2013 and the rule didn't come out um, on how the notice was going to be posted until the end of November, uh, end of June of 2013. So your notice has to be post, uh, has to be dated after July 1st. If it is, you're in good shape. If it's not, you need to update your notice of privacy practice. Also, they're going to check your website. So if you have a website, 
uh, you have to have your notice on it. And your notice has to be the same one you have in the count, uh, at your counter and posted within your facility. The next dot, document is your risk analysis, your risk management plan, your disaster recovery plan, and sometimes it's referred to as a contingency plan. They're also asking for annual privacy and security assessments. And these have been part of the law since it came out in 2003 and 2006, as far as, uh, or 2005 rather. And what they are is assessments where you're assessing your own facility for privacy and security. And then they're gonna ask for random policies and procedures. Because in the HIPAA compliance uh, regulations, both in privacy and security, there are set regulations that have to be posted or written in your facility. And they're going to ask for them, and you have to mail them into them. And this is the part that's scary, because we're going to have some bureaucrat sitting in some office somewhere in the United States who's going to read your policy and procedure for your operation, and they're going to determine whether it meets or does not meet the criteria of the law. And there's going to be an appeal process, but if they feel that they, uh, your policy is not sufficient, they can issue a fine on that. And that is very concerning to me because if a person has never worked in a healthcare setting or never worked in a pharmacy, how in the heck can they understand what a policy and procedure for an application within a pharmacy or any other healthcare facility would be uh, from that policy and procedure. So going back to what, you said, back to what you said, you have a breach, you don't, have a panic. Breach, don't panic. Another aspect Other of that don't panic, don't panic shout out is on-site inspection. So take me through that so because, that, through that, because that, would that would obviously make my blood pressure my go blood up, pressure but, up but, but take us through on-site inspections. Okay. On-site inspections, uh, it's virtually the same thing as a desk audit. But the thing with the on-site inspection, they're going to walk in. And if you're a, uh, an independent pharmacy, uh, someone walking into your pharmacy, you're going to know right off the bat, this is someone that you've never seen before. It's an unusual person. And they're going to walk up to the counter. If, you're, um, if you are a larger uh, uh, pharmacy, a chain pharmacy, for example, you don't, you got so many people coming in, you don't know those folks. But uh, independent, you're going to understand that that's someone that you've not seen before. But they're going to walk up to the counter. And this is where it's important. Your pharmacy clerk or whoever's manning your uh, your counter, they may be just a, uh, a kid working after school. They may be someone that's working, uh, just started there a couple weeks ago. They're your first line of defense. So that person's walking up, that inspector's walking up to the counter, and he or she's going to ask that clerk, may I have a copy of your notice of privacy practice? That clerk has to be able to say yes and be able to pull that notice of privacy practice and hand that to that, uh, that inspector. Even though that inspector hasn't identified themselves, any citizen can ask for uh, for no surprises practice from any healthcare provider at any time. If you want to try it, next time you go to your doctor or your dentist or your eye optometrist, and especially if they ask you to sign for your no for a notice of privacy practice, 
Ask them for it. What's the shock in their eyes? What do you mean? <laughs> you want that? That's the same expression you don't want your clerk to have. Because if that is an inspector, you're going to start, you're going to see a thousand dollar fine because you failed to train your staff. Even if you have everything perfect, that clerk hasn't been trained and there's no way around it. So that's one of the biggest things you have to do on day one when you hire your clerks and your techs. They have to understand where your notice of privacy practice is and that a patient coming in and asking for it, they have to be able to provide that to them. Can yours? That's the first question. And after you listen to this podcast, I hope you ask your clerks, hey, where's our notice of privacy practice and can you give it to me? And hopefully they're going to have that answer for you. Almost like, then a fire, gonna go th- almost like a fire drill, testing them on the fly, right? Right. And then they're going to ask for all these other documents just uh, uh, like the other ones. Now, we did have a lot of a lot of pharmacies go through the on-site inspection last year. And uh, on some of them, as soon as the clerk gave them the uh, notice of privacy practice, the person turned around and walked out the door. And the pharmacy called us and they said, we had something really weird happen. This guy walked in, never seen him before, asked for the notice of privacy practice, looked at it, took it, and walked out the door. They had never seen that person before. They just passed an OCR inspection. Other places, they walked in, they asked for the main documents, the risk analysis, risk management plan, disaster recovery plan. They will allow you to go get those documents. But does the clerk or your staff pharmacist or your tech, do they know where these documents are? The difference between a desk audit and an on-site inspection, you have to get it right away. You can't say, hold on a second, let me see where we can find it. The staff has to be able to know where it is. So if you only have one person that knows where those documents are and they're off today, uh, it's going to be a long day. That inspector can sit down and spend the whole day there with you. And it's not going to be fun. Which brings us to the gorilla in the room, room. and that is the the aspect of fines. fines. So the touchy part of all this, this. um, let's Um, talk about that. What are the penalties for noncompliance? The penalties at that point, um, if they wish to fine you um, on an on-site inspection or a desk audit, depending on the inspector, depending on the deficiencies that they find, it can literally go from $100 all the way up to $1.5 million. And they are issuing those fines. Every week, uh, I'm seeing fines issued from, through the Department of Justice and through the, uh, the Office of Civil Rights nationwide. All types of providers, uh, what's going on with, uh, with HIPAA, with fraud, they are aggressively going after uh, the health and human services is going after different types of penalties against all sizes of providers. And uh, pharmacies were being attacked from all different ends. This is an easy one not to get attacked on. And so it's just a simple training. You got to do the training every year. You're required to do the training. You attest to your Part D carriers. You're doing the training. Now they're doing uh, the Part D carrier uh, auditors are coming in. Um, 
to do ch- uh, checks to verify that you're doing the on, on, on your annual training. So hopefully you're doing your training. You're training your staff what to do. All right. So, All right, so I'm a pharmacy I'm manager. A pharmacy I'm an owner. I'm listening to the podcast. There's obviously some There's help obviously out there for me because I'm going through these scenarios. Through scenarios. I've, experienced I've experienced breaches. breaches. Is there help available to these pharmacies? Yes, there's a lot of help out there. A lot of different companies, a lot of different consultants that are available to pharmacies for HIPAA compliance, uh, as well as other compliance needs. Uh, so, but and their range, the fee ranges all over the spectrum. So, but you got to be careful um, what you go. For. You're going to basically get what you pay for. When you are um, shopping around, you want to look for references. Um, you don't want just a set of policies and procedures. Okay. You want to start asking questions. Okay. If you buy a set of policies and procedures, one, are they going to fit your operation? Okay. One of the other questions is what happens if you have a breach? Okay. Are they going to help you? What happens if it's a reportable breach? Will that consultant stay with you when you need them the most? Will they charge you extra if there's a breach? Will they provide you correct advice? So when you're looking for a consultant, uh, ask your peers. Ask hard questions to that consultant. Ask how they've handled breaches and inspections in the past. Uh, don't get yes and no answers from consultants. Get a- actual, you want to hear actual examples of what's going on. Um, we've had a number of clients have come on with us that have been with other people or other organizations that when they got in trouble uh, with the OCR on breaches, they walked away. And we've, we're working with them and we take care of them. Uh, and in some cases, on one case, they should never have been reported in the first place. And we're in a full blown OCR investigation because it's a report, it was issued as a reportable breach that was never a breach. Uh, but because it's going down that road, and that Pandora's box has been open. We're going through that process. And um, so you got to choose your uh, consultant um, very carefully. Now, do you need a consultant? Uh, if you have the time to read and research and write your own policies and maintain them, you can do it. But it is a, compliance is no longer simple like it used to be. And with all the different rules and all the different regulations that are going on, it is a daunting task, even for a consulting organization, to keep up with everything. So just um, there, are, there are a lot of reputable organizations out there, and there are some that are not. So just check them out, and uh, you start asking hard questions, you'll be able to figure out who's reputable and who's not. So I 
I have to ask additional question. I mean, there's insights that are being delivered to the pharmacy marketplace as compliancy consultants, and um, I've heard of URAC, and I've heard of some of the accrediting bodies, and so that can become very confusing. So um, I know that you and your team, RJ Hedges and Associates, kind of looks out for independent pharmacies' best interest in the world of compliance. Just uh, give give our listeners a little bit more insight into what you guys can do to make this uh, a less uh, scary endeavor. Okay, what we do um, when we uh, have a new client come on, uh, we work with them. Uh, we have a questionnaire that we go through, and we basically we interview our clients, find out who, what, where, when, and who they are. We get to know them. And then once we're able to know them, uh, then we develop all the documentation for them. We write the risk analysis. We write um, the risk management plan, the disaster recovery plan, all the policies and procedures. We develop all the documentation for them. Um, everything's a simple process. We provide all the training. The training is not training um just general training. We're training you on your policies and procedures. We're ta- training you on what to do when a breach happens or what uh, when a patient has a request. Um, so it's real world applications um, as you go through the processes. Um, and then when there's a uh, when you need help or you have a question, uh, you you have a dedicated person you contact that. Um, and you get your question right away. You have the same person you go to. And we're able to provide that information to you on a timely basis, normally within hours, uh, if not instantaneous. And um, it's a constant support for all our compliance programs we do to our clients. And we build a personal relationship uh, between my staff and your staff. And that's, uh, but that's what sets us apart from everybody else. Well, and doesn't that play into the difference between the big, huge box national chain pharmacies and customer service and how independently owned pharmacies across the nation are leading in that customized services to their patients? And I think you're advocating and giving that off in the same way. So um, that's no surprise to me. Yeah, that's correct. We, we, we take care of our our clients just the way you take care of your patients. That's awesome. Well, the Pharmacy Compliance Guide, you guys have been putting out some really uh, valuable content. We're getting very good feedback from uh, our listeners. And, Jeff, we so much appreciate you. I appreciate the opportunity for the uh, for these podcasts. It's, good, uh, it's a good content. It's a good venue for um, all the different podcasts that are coming out through Todd's program. And I hope everybody is learning a lot and getting a lot out of it. Thank you. You're listening to the Pharmacy Compliance Guide, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Please reach out to Jeff Hedges and his team, RJ Hedges and Associates at rjhedges.com. And we thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.